Hello and welcome to Theater 42, a virtual art house cinema. The only place to watch films in theaters at home in comfort. So join our Kickstarter campaign and enter for your chance to win the golden ticket with unlimited access to live shows, events, and films. To learn more, visit our website at theater42.org. That's theater42.org. And soon you'll be well on your way to a lifetime of cinema. For early access, exclusive content, and so much more, go to patreon.com slash lifethroughfiction. That's patreon.com slash lifethroughfiction. Hello, this is Art from A Cozy Christmas Podcast. We're the podcast that explores the coziest stories and memories of Christmas. Join me as I invite you to listen in as I read some of the classic stories of Christmas. Stories like The Gift of the Magi or A Christmas Carol, among many others you may not have heard of before. Sometimes I'll have a guest on and we'll talk about Christmas and the stories that matter to them like the stories of their favorite Christmas memories and traditions. Sometimes I'm joined by my favorite co-host, my daughter Grace, and we'll talk about and try different Christmas foods, play games, or chat about our favorite Christmas movies and traditions. And also teddy bears. So come on in, make yourself at home, and enjoy all the cozy Christmas stories and more heard here at the Cozy Christmas Podcast. You can find out more at www.cozychristmaspodcast.com. I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. I'm Shannon Mitchell. This is With Nothing to Say. Let's talk about all that jazz. I realized that we didn't pick out a movie for next week. Andrew, have you seen Risky Business? No. Thoughts on Risky Business? We can watch whatever you want. <laughs> okay, we're going to watch Risky Business. It's fucking amazing. And I think you're going to like it. I genuinely think you'll like Risky Business. You guys should watch Shall We Dance with a question mark. Yeah, to round out the Shall We Dance uh, cinema. We could watch all of them. How many Shall We Dance? There's like five of them, aren't there? We should watch the whole Shall We Dance cinematic universe. I think we should. We had the opportunity to watch all the jazz. Yeah. 1979 movie. And yeah, it's the last musical film of, uh, of the month, one that we all haven't seen. It's, uh, I suggested it because uh, it's just one of those movies where when you go in Letterboxd, it's like very, very high curve. You know, very like everyone really, really likes a lot. Pick it. If you haven't seen it, let's check it out. Um, I, I understood that it, it was a movie directed by Bob Fosse, and it's basically, it's basically a movie about him. It's an autobiographical film. It's semi-autobiographical, but nevertheless, it's, it's a character based on him in the movie. Yeah, it's so based on him that he was originally going to play the part of the main character, but the production company told him not to do that. They told him no. Because he was going to have a heart, he was going to die. In the he, was. Of he was going to die. <laughs> because he was going to have a serious heart attack. He had already had a serious heart attack like months before. And he's like, I want to play this. And they were like, no, because you're going to die. No, <laughs> you will die immediately. Yeah. And and of course, this movie deals a lot with that. Being sick, being in the hospital, open heart surgery. Bob, Bob Fosse had open heart surgery. And there's a scene in here where he gets an open heart surgery. Uh, it's amazing. It's once again, I have to stress, it's a semi, it's weird. It's a semi-autobiographical fantasy, musical, drama, comedy. It's a lot. It's it's definitely one of the most unique movies I've ever seen. And it's ex- excruciatingly personal. I can't think of anything else like it in terms of like, it's just very personal. He's really putting it all out there. It's very, 
meta. Of course, the movie that they keep referencing that he's working on, Comedian, is basically just the last movie that Bob Fosse did, right? Lenny? Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is biopic on um uh on Lenny, what's his name? Lenny something. I don't remember. The his famous name. comedian guy. The comedian guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, famous comedian. Famous uh, uh comedian got in trouble a lot because he said curse words or something. Um Dustin Hoffman plays him in the actual movie. Yeah, it's like so I guess like to set the movie up. The movie is at an is kind of ba- first of all, the movie you have Joe Gideon. Joe Gideon is basically Bob Fosse. He's played by Roy, he's played by Roy Scheider. He is more known as like the Jaws guy, like the main character in Jaws, and he's very good in that movie. He's also really good in Sorcerer, which is a good William Friedkin movie. But he's very good in this movie. One of the greatest performances. <laughs> he was really, he's really funny in it. He's really good. And yeah, he's Joe Gideon, and he's like a theater director. He's a choreographer. He's a filmmaker. The movie, the, at least the beginning of the movie, is him going back and forth between trying to like put on his like Broadway musical, his new Broadway musical called like NY slash LA which in real life, it was Chicago, while he's also trying to edit his film, The Stand-Up, which we talked about was Lenny. And so that's kind of like this, the kind of, not the opening scene, but like kind of like how the movie is at the beginning, is that he's going back and forth and he's kind of stretching himself in between two projects. But the, but the opening in the movie is an incredible opening, like really, really good. It's kind of hard at first to tell who's the main character because there's like a bunch of people, they're doing like a audition for this new musical and he's running around on stage trying to figure out who are the best dancers and things like that he's got really tall dance boots on he kind of looks like a pirate yeah he's dripping with the sauce he you know casts the show and then he's like all right deuces i gotta get out of here yeah he leaves right away yeah he immediately goes to the the cinema that they're editing the the film in and it's taking a while it's taking him a while to finish editing. It's take, like he's taken months to edit it. He's like seven months overdue. It like took him a really long time to film it. And then now he's taking a really long time to edit it. And he like seems like he just absolutely hates it. He hates everything except for women and booze and smoking. Yep. And his pills. He listens to Vivaldi in the morning. Every morning he turns on Vivaldi. He pops them pills and he looks at himself in the mirror, waves his hands, does jazz hands, and he goes, showtime, folks. You see that over and over again in the movie. It's probably like the only consistent thing that happens throughout the whole movie. It's like the most consistent thing in his life is that he has like this weird morning routine. But but yeah, but I mean, that opening scene, like, I, like you mentioned, like the way that that is edited and looks is amazing. It, it feels really real. And he says in the video, the interview that I watched that he wanted to make it kind of look kind of documentary. Like it looks really real. Like it looks like a real like audition, you know, where a bunch of actual, you know, dancers, Broadway dancers in New York City are like trying to get this, you know, role for the Bob Fosse musical, you know, to get a job, basically. It looks amazing. Like it's, I don't know. I just like, I just like how it looks. It just, it feels very real, but. There wasn't, I was kind of surprised um by the choreography in this film because um none of it seemed overly fossy to me which maybe he did that on purpose what do you mean by that so fossy has a very specific style it's hard to describe have you ever seen chicago never no nope. you seen cabaret i've never seen cabaret never seen cabaret no oh, damn you ever seen pippin no no i don't 
Have you seen anything, Andrew? Have you ever seen the <laughs> SNL sketch about Liza Minnelli trying to turn off a lamp? <laughs> no, but I, I get the I get the Liza Minnelli thing. I, I see what you kind of mean. Are you saying that maybe like it's less over the top or something like that? His dance style is incredibly recognizable. I'll just say that it's like it's hard it's hard to like describe it because there's quite literally nothing like it. Interesting. Okay. But as I was watching this film, until it gets to like that one rehearsal where they're like showing the producers the show, like a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the choreography doesn't feel like Fosse during the whole thing. And I'm assuming he would have choreographed it himself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was one of the choreographers on the film. I mean, I I doubt he would be like, I'm going to have somebody else choreograph my film about me. Yeah, (laughs) my film about me. It's my me film. His uh his dance style is very particular, um, but I just didn't see very much of it in this. Which he might have just done that on purpose. Maybe he was like, "It's me, but it can't be like too much of me." Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. It's not the choreography of Bob Fosse. It's the choreography of Joe Gideon, which is a little bit different, I guess. You see a little bit more of that like Fosse style and his like fantasy dreamscape at the end. You see a little bit more of that too. A lot of like hat movements. Like he he loves a good hat. <laughs> he does love his. He'll he put really a does. hat. He'll put a hat in, in anything. He'll do it. There's always like a woman that's like tilting her hat down over her eyes and like and like dancing. I think that was very purposeful in the sense that you know Joe Gideon he doesn't know what he wants. And so like, he keeps like struggling with it. And so like that choreography at the beginning, like kind of like not feeling Fosse-esque, I think it's kind of purposeful because like, you know, when like he does lock down the different choreography styles, like it is very Fosse. So I think there is sort of, I mean, part of it, I think Andrew, you're right. It's Joe Gideon, you know, he's kind of placing like this avatar on top of him. But the other part is that like, you know, you're trying to show him trying to figure out like how he's supposed to choreograph this. And the, the the opening scene is also really good too because we're introduced to not only do we know how like Joe Gideon operates, but like you said, we're introduced to the producers and his and his ex wife and his daughter. Um, and his ex wife is involved in the Broadway production. She's also a dancer as she dances for us later in the movie. Yeah, I guess the movie itself doesn't have like a shit ton of dancing. You know, like it's kind of there's a ton of it at the end the main actor can't really dance because <laughs> he like even in the big dance numbers at the end he's not the main dancer i don't think he's a dance can dance very well and schreider said that was the hardest thing he's ever done in his whole life was that performance like physically the hardest thing he's ever done <laughs> oh that's good wow i fucking love schreider schreider he's super good in the movie like i don't know he just he's great he's amazing once again, like right away from the beginning of the movie, we know his deal, right? We know he is he's dependent on a bunch of substances, and we know that he is a bad person too. Like he's just not a very well. I, saying that he's a bad person, he's a womanizer. He likes having sex with a bunch of different women, including people other than his girlfriend. So, like, yeah, like right away, like within the twenty first twenty minutes of the movie, he invites like a person that he auditioned um, to his place. Um, and they have sex and then his girlfriend walks in and it's just like, oh, fuck, you know, like right away, we kind of understand kind of his whole deal as a womanizer, um, which is a, kind of a big part of the movie, honestly. When he's talking to her 
they're like kind of having an argument but they like decide to stay together she's like crying and she says i just wish you weren't so generous with your cock yes yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) one of the best lines of all time it is a perfect line it's true it's just like because like even his ex-wife, they, they kind of argue and they kind of butt heads a little bit in the movie, but they, they don't really hate each other because they are creative partners, right? Like they don't really have like, they're not like a fucking hate you. You know, they're not like yelling at each other. It's really just like that problem that we just kind of laid out. That's really kind of the only thing that like. And he just like works a lot. He's like a workaholic and he's a womanizer. Yeah. Those are the main things that kind of probably separate him. Makes it hard to be in a relationship with somebody who works all the time and then sleeps with other people. And then you need like alcohol and like pills to keep yourself going every single day. And I love when he brings the woman home back to like his apartment or wherever he brings her to. And she wants to be like this big, like a movie star. And she's like, do you think I'll ever be a movie star? And he's just like, no no he's just he doesn't give a shit he doesn't care at all he doesn't give a fuck and he's like let's just have sex she's like okay i thought you were gonna say yeah but and then they immediately have sex i guess the very next thing i mean she he got her he got her a job even though she sucks so you know she sucks she's it's it's laid out early on that this particular performer isn't like the best dancer isn't as good at well she's like also kind of like tone deaf too right they'd mentioned the producers mentioned that yeah i forgot about that i think he just he said with legs like that how could you say no like he's like just thinks she's really hot yeah <laughs> yes i forgot about that fossey just like thinks she's hot i mean not fossey i mean not fossey <laughs> joe gideon fossey probably really did that in real life Oh, I'm oh sure. probably. I'm sure. I think I read that the that the girlfriend character in this movie, Katie, I believe that actor was actually sleeping with Bob Fosse. Of course. Like they had a relationship. Of course. Uh, of, course. of course that was. He's crazy. Crazy <laughs> motherfucker. It, it's probably worth mentioning now too that like intermittently throughout the whole movie, he t- he's talking to this strange woman dressed in like a big dress, Jessica Lang. It's 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 like a an apparition or something like that he's like in a club without explanation really it just keeps going in and out of him like talking to jessica lang it's like very fuzzy looking she's so pretty she's a pretty lady just wearing all white she's got like a white dress or like a rope kind of thing and it like kind of goes through his life you figure out that he has childhood trauma because he was like sexually assaulted in a nightclub because he well i don't even know like his mom why was he there all the time his mom worked there his mom his mom worked there he probably had just you know early on had an interest in you know song and dance or whatever and you know work there and he, he wanted to be a star yeah and his his mom is like my joe he's, he was just such a good boy spent so much time in the in the strip club but you know never paid those ladies attention and i was like okay well you don't become the man that you are without paying them ladies attention yeah he has that like kind of like dream kind of memory sequence where he gets laughed at he does like his little dance but he's got like a stain in his pants but yeah he has like that it's it's like a memory dream sequence and he keeps talking to jessica lane who is an angel like an angel of death the grim reaper whatever and they just kind of have like this ongoing conversation about like his life, you know, just kind of him talking about like his relationship with the women in his life, including his girlfriend, his ex-wife, his daughter, um, you know, his work, um, his past, you know, what he wants to do, what he's doing now. And, you know, it just kind of, they pop in to this part, you know, 
again occasionally they're like working on a new musical that um is kind of like a weird version of catch me if you can you know it's it's like a it's like a flying like a airplane musical (laughs) something i don't know the first number that this guy is paul i love that guy oh the composer the composer who's supposed to be Stephen Schwartz. I'm assuming that all these people more or less are based on real people, sort of. So Stephen Schwartz is the was the guy who wrote Pippin and he wrote Wicked and Godspell. That's Stephen Schwartz. Fosse and Schwartz did not get along, especially after Pippin, which is why that Paul character is like showed is like such a i don't even know he's like really nerdy and like just a big old geek just lame he's lame yeah he's lame and the music is like horrible um for this the for this musical (laughs) i was like wow this music really sucks and then they were like let's do like a showcase for the producers or whatever and i was like this is horrible (laughs) You didn't like any of that stuff? I thought it was really bad. I thought the music was especially bad. I mean, the dancing was like fine or whatever, but like the music itself was really bad in my opinion. Um, So the name of the musical in the film is Erotica, like A-I-R-O-T-I-C-A. Um, and it's a super sexy flight. I thought it was called NY slash LA. That might be the song, but like they say erotic. That might be, I don't know. One of these might be the song. I'm not sure. I think maybe the song's called Erotica, but there is something in it called Erotica. They basically have simulated sex. It's like the choreography is like them like having sex. Fosse loves orgies. <laughs> really, he does? He sure does. There's like <laughs> so many sex dances in like there's a massive one in Pippin. Um, there's like a whole five minutes dedicated to just simulated sex but also like at this time like so in the orgy scene actors are taking off their clothes and stuff and there's like boobs out and stuff like that now it seems like really crazy that that stuff would be on broadway but in the 1970s i think it was the 1970s there was a production of hair they got naked and like took off all their clothes and stuff like that and it was like just like on stage. So like in the 70s, shit was different. Yeah, she went off. Different times. But it's, I mean, the dancing's the dancing's really good. The music itself is subpar. It's fine. I think all like the dancing and music kind of I least I think it all serves as purposes in this movie. I think like the music isn't like you said, the music isn't amazing, but maybe that's just kind of but I'm not the music in the whole film, just just this, like just the the part where it's supposed to be the musical. Yeah, I like the music and through like in the last number and stuff like that. But I also feel like um, that part of the because like throughout it's like a kind of a storyline thing that like Gideon doesn't like the music. Yeah, he kind of he's he's dipl- displeased. Yeah, he's like, I don't I can't believe like I have to choreograph things to so like i think it's also supposed to be a jab at steven schwartz again that this music just absolutely fucking sucks <laughs> i didn't know that that makes the movie even better <laughs> he's like well i guess i have to, to choreograph stuff to this bullshit music there's also other there's like another person in this 
um, film that's supposed to be another big Broadway person. Is that the Jonathan Lithgow character? Yeah. Who is that supposed to be in real life? He's supposed to be Michael Bennett, who is the who is another choreographer and director, but he's a choreographer of Company, A Chorus Line, Dream Girls, Follies, lots of things like that. So like at the time, probably Fosse and Bennett were like the two rival choreographers and they did not like each other. Very interesting. Michael Bennett died pretty young too as well because he had AIDS. He died as like complications to AIDS. I, I like that. I like the Jonathan Lipgow character. It really doesn't like serve like a huge purpose to the movie overall, but it just kind of fleshes out, I guess, the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like the world. The world. Yeah, it just kind of like makes it more realistic. You know, it kind of also, I think, like maybe exposes some of Fosse's like own um, fears and like maybe things he's not too happy about when it comes to Broadway of like, oh, well, I guess if our choreographer and director dies, we'll just find this other one that we can like. Yeah, all that all that stuff was like really like, whoa, this is crazy. Just like, you know, kind of like the complications of like losing like a key part of like a production like that. It's just kind of like, like when they have that meeting later on the movie where they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, Bob, Fo you know, not Bob Fosse, but you know, Gideon, if Gideon's in the hospital and he dies, you guys get your money back. You guys will actually make more money if he, if he dies. And they're like, oh, okay. It's like a producer situation. Like they're hoping for like a worst case scenario. Yeah. 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 It's uh, that's what, that's what I thought it was going to happen, but they don't, you know, it's, it's real life. It's a real life movie. You know, it's, well, you know, it's, it's not like producers, you know, it's, they're kind of like smooching with Jonathan Lithgow's character. Right. And they're kind of like, you know, maybe you should do it. And he's like, yeah, I should, it'd be really good. And, you know, uh, here's all the, here's all my notes and stuff. And it's like a book of notes that he gave for them. <laughs> I think, I mean, you know, John Lithgow is great in everything he does, but even though his performance, it, it's small, but I think the value of it specifically in this is that a lot of this film is very first person esque in the sense like it's all from the perspective of our main character Joe Gideon. When you kind of like look back on the film, like you can almost consider the scenes that Joe Gideon isn't in as almost as if he's like kind of imagining them. Like it's not like necessarily that any of these scenes are actually taking place. You know, it's more of like you know this is what he thinks is going on, this way thinks is happening because it's so like everything is so focused on like the way he sees the world. Yeah. That's pretty much, that's kind of the appeal of the movie is that it's how you're right. Like you said, it's a movie from the perspective of, of Gideon and like the whole, he sees the world has he, as he sees it, you know, he thinks about the world, you know, we get into kind of like his mind palace and kind of like explore it. Right. Like we explore, you know, all of it's like, you know, rooms and crannies or whatever. And, yeah, that's kind of the appeal of the movie for me in that, like, I think he properly, you know, makes a movie about himself, Fosse does, you know, he kind of makes a movie where he's like, this is what it's like for me, you know what I mean? Like, he he basically, and he makes a movie too, ultimately about like, about being afraid to die, you know, like, that's basically what the movie is about. The movie is about, ultimately, like, I am terrified of like dying. And, you know, I've basically almost died several times now. So, and, and I'm not really going to, I don't want to change at all. Like, I don't want to change my lifestyle at all. And that's just how it is, you know, and he kind of confronts it and it's, it's really powerful. One of my favorite, um, I think numbers in the movie is when his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, girlfriend and his daughter do that, do that dance. 
that's like the most adorable like more hat cane dancing yeah his daughter is like the, the daughter actor is really good very good performance like it's like a good child actor yeah everyone in it is really good though so that, that that's a good um relationship in the movie because there's nothing besides like him working too much like they have a good relationship he has like a good relationship with his daughter you know they really established the fact that like he really loves her and he loves him he's not like horrible to her except maybe that like he works too much and she can't he can't spend as much time with her as he probably should you know that part that's kind of interesting you know because you know you could like make it seem like you know he resents his daughter but he doesn't at all he likes her a lot and you know they like each other a lot yeah that part is also very good and very fleshed out it feels very real She's a good dancer, though. She's a, she's a brilliant dancer. Another good scene that I really liked was right before he has to go to the hospital when he's reading the script with the actors and stuff. The sound design of that of that scene is so good. You can't hear anything except for, like, the gnat noises that he is making. Oh, my God. It's so good. I'm guessing it's a combination of him being, one, preoccupied with his health, and two, he's probably cringy. He's probably cringing, right? Like he can't even like hear it, right? Like he kind of thinks it sucks or he's embarrassed about it or... He's having a heart attack or about to have a heart attack, but he also is like probably a little bit having a panic attack at the same time. Yeah, you're probably right. But like also trying to, because he's like in a professional setting and doesn't want to like, he obviously doesn't want to like distract from anything, snaps a pencil in half behind his back. That's all you hear? And everybody's like laughing and stuff. They're reading the script and they're laughing out loud. They and like stuff. love it. Yeah. And like nobody notices that he's like go really going through it. I think also too, there's maybe like an aspect to it where, you know, when you get really successful, like I guess you get everybody kind of becomes like yes men, right? So I think that's also an aspect where everyone is trying to like please him and make him seem like he's doing a good job. So I think that's another aspect, maybe why he's just kind of like cringing or is like upset i think as you get late in your career or whatever and you become more successful in whatever way thing that you do you know you just people around you just start to kind of like start are just always approving you you know what i mean just so they can get on your good side that scene is so good though it's so good <laughs> it's really good i can't believe it yeah because it's like so much is happening like there should be a lot of noise but it's almost completely silent i think the sound design for the whole film is just above and beyond i mean the way they like like very early on you start um you can hear like sounds of the hospital even like when like they're just doing like normal tasks and the way they'll kind of like butt those in and the way you can kind of like figure out what's going on beforehand or just i mean even the way they'll like converge like the sounds of like the area and then like the musical number that's going on i mean the sound design is just incredible from beginning to end just every second of it i think it's worth noting too that um the movie is basically like in two halves you have the half that's not in the hospital and the second half, which is in the hospital. That's more or less how the movie is broken up. The open heart surgery was a real open heart surgery. I think it is real because one, it's so realistic. It's so realistic. And I'm like, there's no way that feasibly they could have done this. This cannot be fake. There's no way that they made it look so realistic. I don't know. It's like, the, it's the 1970s. I gave a quick look and it looked, I think it is real. And in the credits, they say open heart surgeon, doctor, et cetera, et cetera. And they have like a whole part of the end credits. I think it was just an open heart surgery that they just like filmed for like educational reasons or something. That's a that's such a fucked up surgery to do because like, you know, like the heart is like moving, you know what I mean? Like it's beating like a lot, like it's moving like a lot. 
So it's like, and I feel like if you do any kind of interruption of that beating, it's like going to really fuck you up, you know, like, like have a heart attack. Yeah. It's probably a very difficult surgery on everyone involved. (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw a movie that had like a real surgery in it. I'm sure I've seen him before, you know, during his recovery after the surgery, he's like, he's partying it up. He's fucking going nuts. You know, of course, early on, they tell him like, you have to be in the hospital for like a month or you will die. You're going to die. And he's like, for a month, like I got the play i got the music i got the show and the move like i can't do that you know and they're like you will die <laughs> that's that's about it. it's it's as simple as that i love when all of the doctors get together and they're like this guy just doesn't give like a shit yeah they have like a big like meeting and they're all like what do we do he just doesn't give a shit and he's like why should we and he's like oh it's our it's our jobs we're doctors but uh joe gideon doesn't he doesn't give a shit and how do you deal with that as a doctor when like your patient like just does not care about living you like you can't because like everything that you could do it is in their right as a patient to say no to it it's insane but i do love that part he like simultaneously snaps out of it but also like gets worse at the same time he's like i'm gonna die soon but i don't want to die in a hospital like he's like i don't really want to die like this so he like gets up and he's like wandering around the hospital and that's where like the end like 20 minutes of the film happens right before he leaves you get um one of the final numbers which is his uh you know the women in his life they do all those numbers in a row which is also really good it's like you know it once again you know it's his ex-wife his girlfriend his daughter and they basically do like three different dance numbers for him basically that's like the most fossy part of like the whole film and each number is about one of so like one of the three women is like the lead for each number so like the first one is the girlfriend or is the first one his wife i think the first one is the ex-wife then it's the girlfriend and then it's the girlfriend and then of course the final one is his daughter who again just incredible all the way through and there's two joe gideons there's joe gideon the bedridden sick one and there's joe gideon the choreographer director in the whole thing the director joe gideon is like did you like it was that good should we should we print it should we print it yeah or you missed your part i you're supposed to say i don't want to die but i love when he's like should we print it i think we should print it and he like doesn't say anything and he's like all right guys just just print it like fix it in post yeah i'll just print it yeah let's go all those like numbers are amazing looking they look crazy they look so like this shit is off the wall like very creative, very weird. In the background, there are these towers and they have like sheets and behind the sheets, you can tell like they're hospital beds. And like then the second one that all three of the girls, they like dress up like in these weird costumes that have all these like ribbons on them, right? And like, I could never come up with something like that. Oh, one of my favorite lines on the movie is when he's um, he's being carted away. I don't remember where it is, but he's being carted away and he's like uh, in the hospital, like to go to surgery or something. And he imagines like his like wife and his uh, ex, his ex-wife and his girlfriend next to him instead of like the nurses. And he's like, you know, if I die, I'm sorry for all the things I did to you. And if I live, I'm sorry for all the things I'm going to do to you. <laughs> I think it's right before he's taken to surgery. Yeah, that, that line is really good. Just because it's like, you know, once again, it's kind of just once again, like a complete confrontation of just how much he just kind of sucks, you know? And he knows he sucks and he's not going to change no matter what. He's sorry about it, but he's not going to do anything. He's just going to continue to be. It's kind of like, he probably like, it looks at it as like, you know, at this point, you know, me being myself has gotten me a lot of great opportunities and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, 
And if I were to subdue that or change that, then I wouldn't be myself anymore. But once again, you know, not obviously his decisions and the things that he does aren't really what you would say moral a lot of the time, you know, once again, he kind of is not very nice to, you know, well, I, I wouldn't say maybe not very nice, but you know, he's just not, he's a womanizer, like we discussed and he, he's just complicated and he's a very real character. He's a very real character. Very real. And of course, you know, as we talked about the number, we just talked about all, basically all the numbers are basically just saying like, you're going to die. We love you a lot, but you're going to fucking kill yourself if you keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, you're, you, you made a lot of mistakes and all this stuff. So, you know, and once again, it just, um, it, it resonates with him, with that character, with Gideon, but it's not like, it's it's almost too late anyway. I love when he like wanders into, I'm assuming it's the cafeteria, like the hospital cafeteria or whatever. And he meets, he meets Tiger. I love that character. He's in, he's in the film for like five minutes or less. He probably has less screen time, screen time than that. But I love him. He's just like a custodian and he's like chill. And he's like not worried about, um, Gideon which I think is probably what Gideon like needed he didn't want somebody to be like oh you need to go back to bed you're gonna die vibing and Gideon was like oh sing that song one more time and Tiger just like kept singing it and they were just like vibing he's so good yeah that 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 scene is very sweet it's a very sweet scene that whole part of the movie he yeah like you said he's wandering around the hospital he's basically like I don't know drugged or something like he that's kind of he kind of that's how how he acts i think he's just so close to dying that he's like delusional he's just can't his body's sort of failing him already so he can't quite like function normally but he like hits his head against something thing and then like drags his head against the wall and then there's just like a streak of blood like going down a hospital wall and this whole time the doctors are like we can't find him how did you lose him cannot figure out like where this this very like very clearly he's leaving traces everywhere <laughs> very obvious this man is does not belong there they didn't page anyone in the hospital they were like we'll find him eventually i guess but nobody else in the hospital needs to know and then he dies he fucking dies he fucking dies and yeah like and like right before he dies you know of course he has a beautiful dream where he imagines he's on this show that he keeps watching in the hospital it's like this variety show and the guy always when he introduces the musical guest, he says the same thing where he says like, um, he's a great friend of mine of 25 years, humanitarian, incredibly talented. An artist, a humanitarian, and my friend for 25 years. And like, he knows it, but like when it introduces him, it's hilarious. He's like, not definitely not a good friend. To anyone. Somebody I wouldn't call a humanitarian. Yeah, yeah it's like so funny. Like, yeah, he's really like not a great guy, but you know, he's... You know, he, he was a guy, you know. He was a guy. That whole concluding number. Spectacular. Is amazing. It's the best thing. And this, the music is, like, phenomenal, too. Like, the song itself is really good. I like all of the music except for the one, like, the in the musical. Because I think it's supposed to kind of be bad. That song. You know, you have this last scene where and you have, like, the, the two women. They're dressed up in, like, like like these like they have you can see they're like veins they're like body suits with veins on them i think it's like a heart thing you know and like an anatomy like yeah he's the whole song is basically just like something something i think i'm gonna die or something like that once again it's just the acceptance it's the you know the what the stages of grief or whatever you might want to call it. like it's his acceptance musical number in which he basically understands that he is about to die he is going to die it's the the song is basically like you know, saying it out loud and everyone he's ever, 
it looks amazing it's so fucking good and like you said the music is great the song is great i don't know if scheider actually sang the song did he actually sing the song i don't know i mean his voice is good but his voice isn't like superb so like his voice is like just good enough to like sing it but it doesn't sound like it was somebody else you know like they were like oh his voice sucks so we're gonna get somebody who can sing really good yeah, I think you're right. I think he probably did sing it, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. It's a sad song, but it's a happy song. You know, it's a song of acceptance, but, you know, it's done in the kind of the the, the glamorous style, you know, of that time. And yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's a bittersweet uh, moment. Um, and it's unbelievable. I'm very impressed by it. He says bye to everyone. He kisses everyone. And of course, you know, I think it has maybe one of the greatest, like, endings of any movie ever made. In that after the dance scene, you know, more like uh, the uh, Jessica Lang, the devil, not the devil, you know, like a, the Grim Reaper, the angel of death. He basically walks down this hall and she's like right there at the end, you know, basically passing over into the next stage. And I think like what they like touch each other or like they something happened. Like I, for, I forget like what Jessica Lang does. Um, he walks over into like another door or something like that. And it just fucking cuts. And it cuts to fucking Gideon on a slab and they zip him up. And like right after they zip him up, they fucking play. There's no business like show business uh, sang by Ethel Merman. There's no business like show business. That's unbelievable. I couldn't believe that shit. That's, oh my God. Fucking incredible. It's so good. Yeah, that's it. Like you're going to die. You know what I mean? There's no business like show. And that's it. It just ends like that. You don't even get to see the reactions of like his like family or friends or anything. Like you don't. Anybody. Well, no, because he's dead. <laughs> that's true. Like when he. How is he gonna know? No, you're right. That's exactly <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like any like a stupid movie would do that. You know, it would be like, oh no, like oh no, the time. No, you're right. He he's dead, and the movie is from his perspective. It's just over. And that's it. You're done. It's over. So when I started watching this movie, I was unaware that it was a Bob Fosse movie. I kept watching it and going, you know, this really reminds me of Cabaret. Like this has very similar feels to Cabaret. And it wasn't until like well into the movie that I realized that it was, of course, Bob Fosse who directed Cabaret, which is the only Bob Fosse movie I've seen, I think. But it's, you know, one of his most iconic and... Obviously, you can get a lot of Bob Fosse out of Cabaret. I did not like Cabaret when I first saw it. I saw it when I was in high school, so like probably like nine or ten years ago now. But all that jazz, honest to God, probably one of my favorite musicals of all time. Like it's like Little Shop of Horrors, Singing in the Rain, all that jazz. Like it's a top, it's a fucking top three. And I fucking love musicals, like more than like anything else. And all that jazz just from the very moment starts to like all the way through. I mean, the performances, the music, the fucking choreography, the look of it, everything is just like so perfect. I mean, even like the lighting and like how it's like has these like really kind of like sharp and kind of like brutal lighting of like that kind of 70s, 80s era, and which is very Bob Fosse, of course. So wonderful and so amazing. And I have nothing but praise for the film. I mean, I just, I'm genuinely excited to watch this film again. And I don't watch a lot of movies more than once, but this movie was just such a blast. And honestly, one of my favorite films of all time. It's, it's been put on the list. It's there. I don't know how to not give this a 10 out of 10. I mean, it's just fucking brilliant. 
fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I loved it a lot too. I mean, I liked it. I mean, it was really fucking good. <laughs> you know, just uh, you know, I'm completely un- unfamiliar with Bob Fosse, but you know, I I I like a good movie like this. You know, I don't really care if it's a musical or not, but the fact that it is a musical makes a lot of sense, of course. You know, I just really like that kind of like personal kind of autobiographical element to it that really, really makes it very special and very intense and interesting. And it's funny. I feel like we really only scratched the surface of the movie. We talked a lot about it, but I feel like there was a lot of stuff that we really didn't go over, which is fine. It's, but it's really because it really is like every scene is like really interesting and it has something interesting going on, whether it be like funny dialogue, uh, good dancing, good acting, um, good editing, really good editing. There's like too much to really like point out and kind of uh, admire. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think I really got to watch it again. I think I will give it like a nine out of 10. But man, like it is like this close, man. It's like, it's like, I just feel like I need to watch it like again and to like really, really kind of like just like watch it maybe like a second time, maybe a third time and like really kind of like pay attention. And I think I'll like get more out of it. But yeah, nine out of 10, but like it's like this, it's like this fucking close. You know what I mean? So really good. I like Fosse. Fosse is such an interesting um, choreographer and director. And it was nice to see his, even if it wasn't like, explicitly fossy choreography until it got to sort of those dreamier aspects of the film it was nice to see his his style rooted in something so realistic because i mean you can get more realistic musical theater like there are definitely shows that are more rooted in realism um but generally musical theater is not super keen on being absolutely realistic and like majority of his shows cabaret chicago pippin things like that they're not like super realistic and it was nice to see like his blend of realism and sort of fantasy dreamscapes it's such a beautiful film like visually auditory wise it's a gorgeous film and also just the writing everything everything is so good knowing about like Broadway at that time, it was even better, like knowing who everyone was, who everyone was supposed to be and like being able to laugh at like those sort of interpersonal relationships that that Fosse had that he sort of portrayed on, on screen. I don't know. I really love this film out of the films that we watched this month. It's my favorite. I have literally, like Austin said, I have nothing but praise for this film. And I think I'm also going to give this film a 10 out of 10. It's just so good. Yeah, it's easily the it's easily the movie that we all I think can agree is like fantastic, <laughs> at least. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I, fantastic. Yeah, it's uh... I think it was the perfect blend of all of our sort of interests and personalities in one film. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. To get early access, exclusive content, and so much more, go to patreon.com slash life through fiction. That's patreon.com slash life through fiction. And you can find anything I do at Austin Lugo one too. Find me on Twitter at ADHarp24. I'm also on Letterboxd at RetroAndrew, R-E-T-R-0, Andrew. And thank you, Shannon, for editing this episode, as you always do. And being, and being the guest star. 
and being our guest there. We're going to miss you. You're going to be gone next week. It's just going to be back to the two of us. It's going to be boring. It's going to be sad. <laughs> I bet yeah, your I listener, agree. like the amount of listeners, are going to drop drastically. <laughs> All right, y'all. Until next time. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Theater 42, a virtual art house cinema. The only place to watch films in theaters at home in comfort. So join our Kickstarter campaign and enter for your chance to win the golden ticket with unlimited access to live shows, events, and films. To learn more, visit our website at theater42.org. That's theater42.org. And soon you'll be well on your way to a lifetime of cinema. For early access, exclusive content, and so much more, go to patreon.com slash lifethroughfiction. That's patreon.com slash lifethroughfiction.